Welcome to It's Complicated, the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We are two associate marriage and family therapists under clinical supervision. And we're here to debunk myths and deliver truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. So I don't think we should talk this entire episode. Probably not. It's better if it's quiet. I really don't like hearing it. It's really hard for me to focus when I hear your voice. I think we should just read each other's minds and make sure all the listeners read our minds completely <laughs> about what we're thinking about yeah. um, in this moment. And I'm going to blink slowly, but then even slower if it's a good thing, but then fast if I don't like it. And it's just going to be up to you to know. So I, don't, I shouldn't have to say anything. <laughs> I am only going to breathe. <laughs> <sighs> no, I don't like that. That's creepy. <laughs> wow. I appreciate that feedback and you telling me that. That was really, really helpful. Thank you. You are so welcome. I feel like we could literally do the entire episode like this for 30 (laughs) minutes and people just read the title about communication or sex and then they go like, oh, I get it. (laughs) That's what it is. There you go. So today, episode 30. That's exciting. Yes. The big three zero, and we are talking about how to talk to your partner during sex to tell them what you like, what you don't like, and yeah, anything else that might come out. Yeah, just what it's like talking during sex, uh, mainly because there's a bit of a, uh, a fear in our culture of talking about sex in general when you're having it or not, right. and then that has translated to what we uh, see in our offices where a lot of people are uncomfortable communicating during sex. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating, though, is that there have been studies that show that as people get older and are in longer-term relationships, they tend to talk more while they have sex, Correct. and their sexual satisfaction greatly increases the more they talk while they're having sex. So it's something that, for me, um, I'll bring that up when I'm uh, working with couples, and maybe there's something they want to work on in the bedroom with their sex life. And I'll, the one thing is, like, oh, so how much uh, discussion do you have while you're having sex? How much do you talk? Um, that's just an assessment tool. Yes, absolutely. And I have noticed, no matter what dynamic I work with, so if it's the individual, the couple, um, depending on who I'm working with, yeah. it's mainly the comfort of maybe how they, how they were raised to or not to talk about sex. What had they experienced if they've tried to talk about sex before? Mm -hmm. And something I tell my students, mind you, they're in college, so it's age appropriate. Uh, But I will tell teens I work with too, if you can't talk about it, you should not be doing it. And not Mm -hmm. in the sense of like married couples, if they're not talking about, they're not allowed to do it. But like, there's a really big discomfort around even discussing it or talking to your partner when's the last time you got tested? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Does your penis hurt in this position? Am I accessing your clitoris enough? Like if you can't, I mean, obviously it doesn't have to sound that clinical, but if you can't can't even say those words, right. It's going to be uncomfortable to actually do it. And then there's, that's where I see the therapeutic disconnect of, well, why don't we have a great sex life? Well, if you're not talking about it and you're just acting on it, right? It's kind of like going in the gym and not knowing what you're doing and lifting a ton of weights and people are like, oh, they're not doing it right, but mm, they'll figure it out. No, they will not. No, no, so you'll just hurt yourself and someone else. Do with somebody. Please yeah. don't do that. Please yeah. advocate for yourself. And as I also tell my students, women, it's not a bop it down there, right? And people try to figure <laughs> yeah, out, yeah. flick it, twist it's it. Like, just, I will let you know what I enjoy. Please let me know what you enjoy so we can work together on this. And I think there's 
there's so much other communication that can be opened up when yeah. we feel comfortable being able to talk to our partner about that, whether it's yeah. let's initiate, like, right. We talked about last episode, <laughs> how do we initiate? How do we do this? Well, while it's actually happening, the conversation doesn't have to end there, right? <laughs> there can also be laughter during sex, obviously not laughing at someone, but I think yeah. that's some of the most romantic times that I've, when I've worked with couples, it's, they were just laughing about this and it became goofy or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're human beings, right? It's not yeah. a performance at that point. So I think it can be really helpful to be able to communicate during sex. Absolutely. I, a little tangent on the laughter thing. That's also one of the um, signs for people with um, highly satisfied um, reports of their sex life yep. is they laugh a lot more than couples with lower satisfaction. Yes. So laughter is like a common part of their sex life. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, one of the things you're mentioning is one of the things I want to start with too, as kind of like the barriers to what people have talking about sex. I just want to kind of normalize the fact that there's lots of reasons why it can, why, why couples may not talk while they're having sex. First and foremost is our culture. If you watch any movie or TV show, um, it looks like everyone knows exactly what to do and they don't need to talk unless maybe you're just watching, um, something with a little more explicit sex where there's like, um, you know, uh, uh, talking dirty or right. that type of stereotype, or if maybe I'm, I'm talking our culture in pornography, if that's your exposure to what sex looks like, you're just seeing, um, this sort of fanciful talk. True. So the way it's modeled for us is with this expectation that both partners just know what to do instinctually. And it's always great. Um, <laughs> Done. You just wish it were sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point. It's like, that's a barrier in my message and our, well, our message, I know you agree yeah. with this, is to say like, no, that's not, we that's don't not actually just know how it works. God. First of all, we don't know initially how our bodies work. Um, if you're just starting to explore yourself sexually, huh. but even in long-term relationships or with somebody, you don't, you can't know your partner's body without getting to communicate in some way and learn that correct and um some people might then assume well hey i've been married for 20 years i know my partner's body by then or they might go like i, I should quote unquote they right. judge themselves i should know by now well if you've never talked and it's always been an off subject then uh it would make sense that you still really haven't learned that so i want to just give people that acknowledgement that there's that barrier that comes from our culture and permission to go wait a second it's actually not that easy. It right. does take a little bit of exploration and discussion. Yes, absolutely. And when we were talking last episode, uh -huh. we mentioned the initiating the, the precursor, almost like the verbal foreplay, if we shall, um, which I think you will, um, the verbal <laughs> foreplay of setting up actually having sex, whatever kind of sex you're, you're, uh, you and your partner are having, or solo yeah. sex, they're watching whatever you're into, yeah. um, or whatever works for the day then while it's happening, sometimes, again, and you and I spoke a little bit off air about vulnerability before we started recording, it does take, I think, vulnerability to have those talks with your partner and to initiate, right? Let's say the sex is happening. We've worked on the initiation um, issue that we were having. We're initiating. That's good. But I'm still feeling a little bit unfulfilled or uh, do I tell them? Cause I know this is their favorite position, but it really doesn't feel good. Right. And that's, that's going to be just an anatomical thing also is voicing it to your partner in a way that doesn't have shame around it. Right. Yeah. Not, you should be doing this. You should know, you should, yeah. they shouldn't know. You probably don't even know as well because you've only been with yourself maybe, or you've been with other partners who are not your current 
partner. So yeah. it's coming from a calm tone, g- gentle startup, as we say, even when we're having conflict or we're having coitus, right? Gentle startup <laughs> is important because we want to ex- explain to our partner what I'm going to share with you is so we can get closer, so we can enjoy each other more. You're not doing anything so wrong that it's awful, but I would like to give some pointers how to make it even better. Are you open to that? And that's the key is asking them if they're open to hearing that. And again, maybe it's not during sex specifically. It's like when you're leading up to it. And then during sex, it's like, you can always take a pause. Like, all right, so time out. This isn't working. Hold on. Let's change positions. Let's do something else. It's being able to know that you can advocate and change what you want during sex too. It's not just before you could lay out the best plan ever. Right. And then you go to do it. And it's like, I don't really like this. Like all the dirty talk and texting. And you're like, I don't want to do this. This is disgusting. Like (laughs) that was fun. Like two hours ago. And now I really just want to cuddle. (laughs) It makes me nauseous. Hold me. (laughs) Don't put anything inside of me. Just hold me. It's an out, out only at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm debating between two different directions. I want to come back to, um, the, the shame discussion in a second. But right. first, I want to acknowledge, um, like, what you're saying, how and kind of when to have discussions yes. about discussing sex. It's almost like a meta discussion. Right. So I think that um, if you are currently not in a sexual relationship, then some of what we're going to talk about, you might want to kind of think about, because when you start a sexual relationship, your next sexual relationship, you can s- introduce these norms right away. Yes. So that way... Um, as your partner is getting to learn like what it's like to have sex with you, like, oh, uh, this person likes to talk a little bit. Okay. You can actually model this like non-shaming behavior and communication and start off right there. If you're already in a relationship, I think what you're hinting at, Talia, that I like is it might be a good idea to, instead of just go, oh, I heard on a podcast, I'm going to start like talking during sex and telling them if I want, have a little like a team meeting ahead of time maybe even not even in foreplay status just like hey i heard about this thing i'd be really interested in trying this in the bedroom i'd be really interested in trying to talk a little bit more on some of these ideas and see how your partner reacts to that so that they're not blindsided with all of a sudden i'm telling you no flip me over i actually want you this way and they're like what i've never heard you do that i thought we always (laughs) how are you (laughs) yeah what's your voice doing in this room right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly that, right that? oh oh that's what you sound like oh. yeah yes <laughs> yes absolutely um, just a little heads up about like um yeah it might be a useful I mean especially I'm thinking about like couples I work with who uh you know have, have been in a sexual relationship for decades and um you know someone just kind of throwing in a, a new style without a, a heads up to their partner could be a little disorienting yes yeah it's, it's giving them for like warning not yeah I guess for warning them not like a threat but like giving them a heads up and giving them an explanation of like oh I saw this I want to try it or during sex even being able to say like can we try it this way right and it's not going to disrupt the person so much again like and we look at the four phases of an orgasm or sexual pleasure I should say for Uh Masters and Johnson so there's obviously certain in the four phases there's going to be certain times where moving positions is more disruptive to achieving orgasm than other times so being again this is more the yeah. scientific route of when during the intercourse or outer course again whatever type of sex you're having when during that are you mentioning this right if your partner's like 
don't move just like that. Probably not the best time to ask to switch positions, especially for a girl, because it can take like a while and it takes like the focus of it and trusting the partner and everything else. But you're, you're allowed to advocate for yourself. Oh, can we try it this way? Oh, can we try it this way? And I think for hearing more of the nitty gritty before we talk about the shame stuff, hearing the nitty gritty of it when it's a heterosexual couple or a lesbian couple, I'm focusing on the women in this. Um, I learned something very cool. It was from actually a Netflix special on sex and they're called female copulatory vocalizations. So Mm -hmm. they're very basic in mammals, but that's the moaning, the this that we see in TV. And like, that's how people know. It's kind of this like reward system, but some people are quiet, right? So if you're hearing, oh, women are loud, they moan when it feels good, whatever else. Some people are quiet. They're not actually that loud during sex. And same with guys. Some guys are super loud and it sounds weird. And it's like, please stop. And sometimes (laughs) it's like a really quiet. And you're like, did, are we, oh, we're done. Oh, I didn't even know that that had happened for you, right? So not always rely. And I think anybody can have the copulatory vocalizations. It's just more common for women because of the way mammals are designed. And like, it's a motivator for men. Again, more heteronormative there, but. Well, and, and yeah. I wouldn't even want to say uh, we, we want to move away from those modes. I mean, it is very oh, comfortable oh. for all yes. of us to be communicating with modes. But don't expect kind of it adding, always. Not always. Um, it's, and it's adding more communication, adding more. But we're just talking about like this idea that you can also talk. You don't have to be right. in grunt mode or silent mode only. Right. Mind you, like what you're saying, it, sometimes it's great to be really silent um, yeah. and that's fun. Um, and that's okay. It's just, we want to open the world so that no one's feeling trapped. Um, also, I do want to um, uh, uh, highlight uh, that, yes, we're talking about you, uh, people communicating what they would like to their partners and sort of the encouragement. On the flip side, another part of good discussion and talking during sex is asking your partner, oh, do you like this? Hey, do you want this? Yeah. Um, show me what would work right now. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yes. And again, it goes back to culturally, we're kind of taught that that's not how sex works. There's this uh, fake judgment. You should just know. (laughs) Yes. I am omniscient and know everybody's sexual kinks. But the reality, I can just look at you and be like, Oh, nice. (laughs) That's just a fake reality. It's an, it's an, um, it's an expectation that cannot be met. Yes, And so that's why we just want to acknowledge there's a shame piece on both sides of this um, where you might, uh, if you're a partner who wants to ask for something, you might have some feelings of shame because you're worried that then maybe you're um, not doing it right or um, you're demanding, you're needy, or in some way um, you're putting shame on your partner, which then you feel shame on. Correct. But it's absolutely appropriate to communicate and share, oh, I like this, especially because um, it might be different night to night, you know? Mm-hmm. It might yeah. be like, hey, tonight, I, I was joking earlier, but no, tonight I really do want want the soft cuddle. Yes, we can have intercourse, but I want right. to like really slow and gentle. I just want to relax. Right. Um, and then the next night you might be like, I want to fuck. I mm-hmm. want it this way, you know? And that's, those are, all wonderful types of sex and that's okay yeah um and then on the other side the shame of like if you're in this place of wanting to ask your partner what they want or you're trying to talk and and learn that um i, I think part- uh, no it's, it's guys and girls i think anyone gets this idea that like you should just be good enough instinctually mm-hmm. um 
And, and so talking can feel shameful because then you might not feel like you're good enough at sex, that you're actually right. bad at sex. Right. Um, and we want to, I, I want to just send the message like, we want to kind of remove that shame from this equation. We want to give you that permission to explore talking because that's fun, because that's good sex. That is what the research has shown that leads to more fulfilling sex. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I know you can't just say like, stop feeling shame, but, <laughs> but I, I want people to be aware of like where that comes from and why it comes from like a, a, a cultural construct that we do not have to agree upon. True. And there is something to be said for what the dynamic of your relation is with the person. Mm -hmm. If it's a marriage, if it's dating, if it's engaged, if there's like a romantic piece to it, or it's just a hookup or whatever else, obviously like age dependent as well. I want to throw that out there because we don't know how old the listeners are. Sometimes Uh what you and I, I think are talking about is far more for like, not that it's not for romantic versus not romantic. This is more of an adult, like, and then, then that's where I tell the students, it's like, if you can't talk about it, right, if the shame comes up because you can't talk about it, you shouldn't be having it. If you are doing something, right, underage, this, that, whatever else, or wrong, or what, you know, like, against moral standards, you're, that's going to be something where shame would naturally come up. We're talking differently about shame that's like, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask my husband of five years to do this. That's the piece is like, we want to break through that shame a lot yeah. more. And I'm not saying shame is a comfortable emotion to feel, yeah. but there is some times where a natural consequence mm-hmm. of not communicating, communicate or not communicating or communicating comes up. And it's like, I really didn't feel like that sat right. I asked for a wrong thing. I said something weird, like more second guessing yourself more than feeling yeah. ashamed of yourself. It's still worthwhile to bring up to your partner, like, Hey, um, I felt like I just said that weird or like you make a weird moan or whatever. That's a time that you can laugh too. It's like, and your bodies make weird noises, right? Like bodies make super weird noises and people make weird faces and like there's different angles and whatever else. Like humans are gross and that's probably the grossest that we ever get. It's also the closest (laughs) that we ever get. So knowing that it's like there, you don't need to be ashamed of your body in that sense. But I, I like to highlight the and you know this, the neuroscience and the the chemical part of it is if you're noticing, it's hard to talk about. If you're noticing there's shame or something coming up around it, there may be a larger narrative at play there for the people who are not in a relationship. So this Uh is the caveat for more of the the hookup side. There may be something to lean into around a shame narrative coming up. Again, not feeling it, but leaning in more and being like, oh God, every time I hook up with some random guy, I feel awful about myself. That's not because you're not advocating for yourself during sex. That could be more of a deeper issue. So I just wanted to put that out there as a caveat that mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to talk about, but you, it's an indicator of like, maybe this isn't the right person to be doing this with. Yeah. Yeah. Important caveat though, to acknowledge. Right. Um, so yeah, there's those, those, those barriers, there's shame that's potential there between partners because of maybe um, we've been socialized that uh, it's not for us to ask for things in sex or that we might feel like we're not good enough in sex. We should just know it. Women but especially. So, yeah, well, <laughs> women especially on the um, uh, socialize that it's not ladylike or appropriate for a woman to have sexual pleasure at all. Right. Um, and our we're getting away from that. It's actually but, not yeah. necessary for life. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it, and bio, this is, again, biological. I'm not going yeah. to start a discussion about patriarchy or whatever. Like, it's <laughs> biologically true women's yeah. orgasm is not necessary to create life. And that's yeah. why sex exists, obviously for pleasure, but sex oh. is the only way we can really procreate. 
even sexual parts. I know now we've made advancements in like IVF and everything, yeah. but, or IUI and all that, but it's like, that's kind of one of the core principles of why it exists. And yeah. so when women feel that way, it's like, oh, well, it's all about the man. We're conditioned. Yeah. I will be not, I'm not going to give too personal an example, but just living as a girl, yeah. definitely conditioned growing up. That was not discussed yeah. Yeah. at all. It was, yes, I got the talk and like, these are the parts and everything else, but it wasn't, and there's age appropriateness to when this would come up, but like, what does pleasurable sex feel like versus non-pleasurable sex? What is this? What is that? It's okay to ask for what you want. That's not included in the talk. I know that for sure, because I know the teens and I've heard them be like, well, we'll use the parts and then we just do it, but that's it. I'm like, we're missing a lot of gaps, like leading up to it. You can't just explain it to your kids and go, it's the best thing that'll ever happen. You don't do it. They're going to be like, wait, what? Like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not an advocate of keeping things secret, but I think it's explaining it thoroughly and women don't really know to ask for that or if they do it's like oh I don't really oh and then they do it and then the guy's like well you know they're fearing potentially or it's an actuality the guy isn't uh, responsive to again heteronormative here the guy isn't responsive the guy isn't this well it's not about that especially during a hookup good luck right and chemically for women we're not and this is something I do teach my students and I'll include the chart in our link um, here it takes numerous numerous times with the same partner for women to be able to achieve orgasm it's not that you can't the first time or whatever maybe there's other but like actual real orgasms not faking it and women can be really good at faking it hence the female copulatory vocalizations that's how men think because men if you you can't you can fake it i suppose but it's like you have evidence (laughs) when you (laughs) you have finished women don't necessarily have evidence all the time especially for um, a clitoral orgasm. And so I think for men or people who are with female partners, it's important to know the bio- biologically we're different. It's going to take more time and it's going to take patience and just asking. And that's actually the quickest way, not rushing, the quickest way to be able to connect with your partner on that is while you're doing it, does this feel good? As a woman, I will say, please don't ask it too much because it turns into this weird insecurity reassurance thing. Like, Asking a couple times I like, but if it were like every two minutes, is this good? Is this good? Yes. <laughs> if it weren't, I can promise you I would tell you, but the interruption, like, again, I know it's nuanced, but checking in and asking is very good. But if your partner isn't giving you, if you're at the point where you are communicating well and they're not giving you feedback, that's like, I hate this. Just go with it. Have the confidence, right? Have the confidence, go with it. And then they will direct you, right? Or saying it ahead of time. I'm going to do this. You let me know how you like it. If you don't, just like, you can preempt that. And then, you know, in your head, oh, I've asked them, right? That's the learning curve of it. Yeah. Well, you're getting into some um, actual tips and tricks. And I want to kind of highlight that. And um, so let's, let's structure that. Yes. um, I like what you said. Uh, Definitely. One of the things you can do is ask your partner. Mm -hmm. And as you're saying, watch necessarily how frequently I would say for people who are new to this, right. um, you're probably not going to err on the side of asking too much until you get really comfortable with it. That is so correct. But go ahead and just start practicing asking your partner, would you like this or not? And for those people like me who like really, really strong structure and like, okay, well, then how much is too much or how much is too yeah. little? I don't know. Try asking twice the first time. Yeah. One time you're going to try it, have, keep having sex ask a second time you did that. I mean, thumbs up to you. Right. Uh, you know, you're trying something new and you're seeing where your partner's at. Mm-hmm. 
other thing you're saying that was on the flip side is your partner also has some responsibility that when they've been asked what they like to communicate. So we also want to be trusting the partner, but that means that you might be the partner who then your tip and trick is to continue to give those updates, right. even when it's unprompted. Um, and there's some really fun ways to do that. Um, practicing language outside of the bedroom before you start talking can be useful for saying things like, ooh, I like when you move that way. Ooh, I like you in this position. Ooh, I want you in this position. I like when you slap me this way. Yeah. Um, it might sound simple right now, but I mean, for everyone listening, think about that, like, and actually saying that while you're having sex and see what comes up for you emotionally. Right. And if you want to, uh, right now in the privacy, uh, while you're listening to the podcast, just yourself, maybe say some of those things out loud to yourself and see how those words feel in your mouth. Exactly. And then maybe you can start asking. Or <laughs> you know how feel, something else feels. In I was going to say, then you can ask for other things you want to feel in your mouth. <laughs> no, it's, it's very true to do that. And I think knowing uh, with women, I will give pointers. Um, we will often go into our own little world mentally, right? We're trying to relax. We're trying to calm down from the day and like do some mindfulness and not think about the grocery and the this, like, yeah. or, you know, not all girls are like that, but I'm saying I've definitely met women. I've, that person myself where you try and slow yeah. yourself down and focus yeah. and I think it's important to note that silence isn't that you're doing something wrong as a partner sometimes it's a really good sign you're doing something right yeah the person you as the recipient and we're silent we're going into our own little world and relaxing enough to really focus so sometimes unless we're uncomfortable or asking for something that's not a time to ask the reassurance question if we're noticing a shift or a this or like a really like noticing your partner's breathing, right? Noticing what's going on with their um, anatomy when you move in unison with them, you can kind of do that part intuitively once you get to know your partner. So again, silence doesn't always mean, oh no, they stop moaning, something's going wrong. It's usually the moaning and comfort, right? The female copulatory vocalization because we're conditioned for that as women. And then the silence comes because it's like going again, that, that, you know, the plateau phase for women and men have it too. It just looks different in the phases of sexual, sexual arousal. And then it's like either quiet and then you notice the body tension or there's more of the moaning. Yes. Just like that continuing to, to kind of affirm the partner what's going on. And then I like to tell the couples that I work with, like, you'll know, like, and you'll have this big breakthrough sometimes if you've been having struggles with that, like, you know, when it's real orgasm versus a fake orgasm, because mm -hmm. the, the, the pain and pleasure center in the brain are very closely linked. Mm -hmm. So that's why we see like the giving birth phase, the weightlifting phase, all of those phases are very similar to what mm -hmm. a genuine, when we reach the end of the four phases of sex, the sexual arousal, we, mm -hmm. it's, it looks like pain. It's yeah. going to look ugly, gross, grimacing, whatever else. <laughs> That's how you know it's more genuine than the ones that it's like the eye roll to this. I'm not saying those don't exist, but it's more often yeah. like this very primal, guttural, like she turns into somebody you're like, oh my God, like, okay, <laughs> like you'll, and again, you know, you get to know it. And again, not every woman's the same. So it's very generalized, but yeah. silence isn't always a bad thing. Uh -huh. And sometimes it's knowing, oh, 
this is just part of their process, right? Or like you said, sometimes it's hot to be quiet or sometimes you have to be yeah. quiet because you're, I don't know, at your in-law's house because of something, you know, like there's time yeah, there's place that, for it. The yeah. kids or whatever. But yeah, yeah, or the kids. COVID oh, right yeah. now, everyone's around, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> you're stuck in a, your whole entire family is in one house and you're yeah. going to die if you don't get some. So yes, yeah. I, that's true. It's, it's about the silence and knowing it like we say in therapy, yeah. silence is an intervention. So yeah. sometimes it can actually be like, oh, this is a really good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and super fun. And and sometimes it can be, um, I'm like kind of contradicting the silent thing, but you can even like acknowledge like, oh, I like this quiet right now. Right. And then just, and then shut the fuck up for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, so asking your partner what they like, um, say practicing saying the things that you tend to like out loud before you're saying them with your partner mm-hmm. um and another idea just to start increasing being comfortable when you're talking during sex is if you're struggling to figure out things to say right um just start labeling what you're doing right if you literally just start going um oh man i'm i'm uh i'm i'm watching the uh the thrusting in and out okay so that can be a little clinical and boring but that's okay if you I just want to start practicing vaginal I like, I don't. <laughs> but it's also you can say the exact same thing exactly. but with some attitude yes. and like Ooh, i'm watching this thrusting in and out right. and then suddenly it starts getting this kind of like tone to it i right. get that that can take some practice but that's the whole point of i'm saying of this tip and trick is right just start getting used to that mm-hmm. um you can uh, just start talking about what you're looking at if you're looking at something. Um, uh, as a male, I'm very visually stimulated. So I'm often looking at my partner when I'm having sex with her. And mm-hmm. so it could be somewhere like, ooh, I'm watching you know, this. Or <laughs> I right. had a recent experience where I was like, oh, man, your collarbone. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. It was doing it for me. Doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and and men are more visual than women are. Definitely. That's why and if we close our eyes, it's okay. We're not yeah. we're not cheating on you in our brain. We're not going like it's us really focusing on it because women are visual in a different way. We're easily distractible. Yeah. Closing yeah. our eyes can be a focus. And for men, it's like zoom, laser focus yeah. on the body. Yes. Women, we're just wired differently. So yeah, it's just important to note that, you know, the eye contact is really hot and passionate, but yeah. sometimes it's a little too much and people are yeah. like, hey, can I look I away now? Look. Like I can't yeah. focus on my finishing if I'm staring at yeah. your soul. Yeah. Well, and that's the, on the flip side then, I mean, that, my example was um, uh, labeling what you're noticing and that was a visual one. You can be on the flip side where your eyes are closed, you're really enjoying whatever sensation is happening and you can label that. Uh, uh, your lips when you kiss the back of my neck feels really nice or just, sorry, that was like a compliment. I'm even trying to make it simpler. Like, oh, that, you know, you kiss the back good. of my neck. Even just saying that, that feels well, good. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I was saying earlier about like just explaining what you like. That feels good is a great right. place to start too. I'm also encouraging this idea of just labeling what you're noticing without a judgment at all, but just getting to practice saying like, you're doing this, I'm doing this. It doesn't have to be a visual thing. Like I said, it could be like, I'm just noticing the sensation, this feeling I have, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause we're having these vulnerable connected feelings, um, whatever that might be. So uh, those are some nice places to start if you're looking for ways to have more talking during sex, to get comfortable with sexual language. Correct. Uh, and then you'll, you'll discover amongst your, you know, in, in your relationship with your partner, uh, 
where you land and what kind of talking you enjoy. Um, Or if you like talking, right? Sometimes it's like, you know, maybe people are into the more like direction or um, what was a good reframe? I got feedback the other day Um, instead of the word direction, structure. I think it was opposite. Instead of it being structured, it's like having more direction or more like um, an influence. Yeah, an area of growth, like a focus point, like a direction. Mm -hmm. Um, More being than like a rule or a hard and fast, like this is how it has to be. Yeah. So some people are more into the directions, right? Or some people are really like they want a full narration, right? And it just depends. And that's what I think a good differentiation is, is we're not talking about in this episode only how to do dirty talk. It's advocating for yourself and giving direction just as much as it is if you enjoy the discussion mm-hmm. during sex, if you enjoy having your partner describe what they're feeling while yeah. they're doing something to yeah. you, that can actually be very stimulating mentally and physically. And it's helpful for you to know. And that's again, going kind of reversing back to the yeah. <laughs> reverse cowgirl. No, reversing back <laughs> to the episode of last time, what we talked about as a precursor initiating, it's sometimes easier to initiate when you go back and fantasize about yeah the sex or whatever type again of sex of intimacy that you've had with your partner it's easier to initiate thinking back to wow last time actually was so great they listened i felt pleasure it's so much easier to want to initiate when you're having good sex versus like we gotta do this again right like nobody wants to have sex when it feels like a chore that's awful yeah Yeah. marriage relationship whatever if it's a chore it's like why am i doing this right you're not in it the same way that you're in it when you know wow, and I ask for what I want and I get it? Uh, yeah, you can get that every day. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 if you're rewarding your partner, the more you talk about it, the better it's going to get, the more you're going to have it, the less fights you have because you're busy doing that. And if you do still have conflict, it's not as intense because the hormones are flowing. Mm-hmm. So you have higher levels of the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the dopamine, right? We're not talking about like the honeymoon phase. If yeah. you keep that high level of connection and closeness, it's not that conflict doesn't happen. It's not like, oh, the great yeah. sex life is this wand away from conflict. You're less likely to have it feel so damaging and so pulled away, right? If you're already pulled away, sex isn't great. You're not initiating. You're not even enjoying it while you're doing it. Conflict is like, well, this is what else did I expect, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be close again. When you're feeling close and you're having that pattern and that rhythm, conflict means, oh, we're spending less time being intimate. Let's address this. Yes. Yes. But I'd like to get back to feeling close to you instead of distant. Yes. And when you're having sex or just when you express sexual desire for right. your partner, that increases uh, trust and safety in the relationship. Absolutely. Um, chemically, like you're talking about, we also have chemical reasons for that. So again, um, having sex or uh, when you express sexual desire to your partner, you're increasing trust and safety. That means you're still going to have conflict but you have more stuff to safety and trust even in your conflict because you know right. that's there. Right. Um, and then another caveat um, before we wrap is just that uh, this episode is about talking during sex. That doesn't mean there's other types of communication. Of course, there's nonverbal right. communication. Of course that's happening. I just think a, uh, that's not what we're talking about today. And yeah. B, we, that does tend to be modeled um, and in our culture and is more commonly comfortable. Right. But people tend to feel like it, it more comfortable just kind of like trying to show things but the reason I also bring that up is what I have found um, in my personal life and uh, talking with couples is that uh, when when couples debrief their sexual experience and say oh well I do that mm-hmm. people 
discover their partner interprets it um, in a different way, which is why talking can be helpful. I mean, you made a great joke earlier about, uh, no, you just like put your hand in my hair and yeah. ripped my hair. That wasn't yeah. a moment of pleasure. That was pain. Ow, ow, ow. That's a great joke and a, you know, uh, an extreme example, but there's definitely things where it's like, someone said, oh, well, you know, I moved this way and uh, my partner didn't quite get what I meant when I was interested in that and we we're off the same page. So again, that happens all the time and that can be a good way to communicate. Talking and getting comfortable talking will help you increase being on the same page if you ever notice you're off. So, Correct. Yes. Be able to uh, communicate, be open yeah. to, be open and receptive because chances are your partner is telling you something because they want to feel closer to you. As a therapist, I have to give the caveat, if your partner is saying this and it's making you feel worse about yourself and there is shame around it, if there's a concern there, right, if it's not for something that's good, um, that's definitely something to to keep in mind with your partner. It's like, oh, I feel like ashamed when they tell me these kinds of things. That's not the type of conversation you and I are talking about. We're talking about like, this feels great. This is amazing. I love this, you know, and like compliments. This was perfect. I'm so glad we tried that position or this or that. And then it's describing it even in, you know, it's not supposed to be this fireworks moment the whole time that you're having sex. You can change positions. You can do this. You can take a break too. Sometimes yeah. it's easier to just press pause. Like I need to go get some water and this, and like, I yeah. will be right back. And then you're going to continue to enjoy it. And my last thing is communicating uh-huh. wise, the goal, you don't always have to communicate the goal of why you're having sex in that moment. Right. Uh Like we don't often think I would like to have sex with you to have an orgasm. I'm going to say that to my partner and that like (laughs) sex can be just as enjoyable if orgasm isn't the goal. So for women, especially out there listening, take the pressure off yourself by not feeling like you're a failure. If you don't get one or it's your job to only give him one again, heteronormative taking that pressure off can actually allow you to enjoy what's going on and you're going to be more likely to be able to finish because you're not pressuring yourself to, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have, it's like studying for a test. I have to get an A. Okay. What if you study really hard and get a B and you're proud of yourself? Well, no, I didn't get an A. It's like letting go of the idea that sex has to equal orgasm can make it a lot more enjoyable. Agreed. And communicate that because men sometimes what I've heard in couples feel like they're a failure or they're not in their masculine as much if they don't achieve that for a woman but I wish some days that we could just switch bodies for a day so they could understand how freaking what it's like sometimes yeah. because then they'd be like, difference. Oh my gosh. Okay. I totally won't feel ashamed. And that's again, the, again, the communication yeah. and maybe someday down the line, we'll talk about like a debriefing episode. They even do that in BDSM culture yeah. and the lifestyle. They have debriefs after scenes, yeah. but. Well, what I'll say to, yeah. what I'll say to that is, um, if people practice talking more regularly during sex, then when in this example a, a woman communicates to her male partner mm-hmm. hey no i'm that was great for me i didn't orgasm and i'm i'm good i feel fulfilled without right. orgasming if there's been a history of talking vulnerability and honesty then that's a very tr- it's it's easier for then that male partner to hear that and trust that mm-hmm. um so it's like you're you're building up this this skill set of being honest and talking during sex so that every time you are talking, it's more effective. It's that Correct. trust and safety thing again. So that's, that's kind of my um, addition to it yeah. is I absolutely agree with you that orgasm does not need to, nor should be the focus. Mm-hmm. And if you in, in start incorporating more talking into your um, sex, 
it's going to be, um, you're going to be much more honest and connected mm -hmm. in that moment where you go like, yeah. no, I'm great. That was good. I want to go grab some water and, um, let's turn on our favorite show now. That was awesome. Thanks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not a day that needs to have the full four phases. Like I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing good. That worked for me or afterwards, like I know, and this I think should be definitely another episode yeah. we can talk about is uh -huh. maybe some of the, the pitfalls or the insecurities are like the normal human things that we go through when we're not able to achieve the goal that we hope for during yeah. sex, whether it's within ourselves or for our partner. So maybe we can talk about that a different time. Cause I think communication can be helpful around that too. Like how yeah. do we navigate if our partner is having some trouble, right. Or they're finishing too quickly. What can they do? Those kind of things, you know, no matter yeah. how much communication you have during sex, there still may be some other underlying you know, one of those romantic communication pieces in their, the clothed life, as I like to call it, like yeah. what's going no, on in like your life versus your unclothed life. Yeah. Well, I like debrief in general. So maybe we'll do how to debrief sex in, in yes. a future episode because it's great both for what you're talking about and like maybe there's something that we didn't address in the moment to the future to kind of improve on. But also debriefing is very sexual and it's like, it's almost foreplay for your next sex act. Exactly it, right. Oh and gosh, it makes you more so likely hot. to initiate. Yeah. And then you're like, ooh, cool. Um, your debrief could literally start uh, foreplay. Into a literal debrief. <laughs> and Take those briefs yeah. off. Yeah. Um, so cool. Good chat, as always. Oh, God, that was so cool. satisfying. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> you know who was really great during this? Both of us. <laughs> five. Yay, team. <laughs> Air five. Um, so cool. <laughs> Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. Appreciate your support during. If you have questions, uh, let us know. Yeah, shoot us some questions. Um, you can email us, Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Or slide in our DMs at the Couples Guide Podcast. And we'll see you next week for episode 31. Take Yay. good care out there. Take good and be gentle with yourselves. Be safe. Um, Stay six feet apart. <laughs> Even when you're having sex. <laughs> Even in out. sex. Get an extender. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're out. <laughs> and